Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, listeners. I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week, they host different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like Oteil Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Bill Frizzell, Sean Colvin, and many more. This June, join the Fab Foe, Joan Osborne, John Sebastian, Marshall Crenshaw, and a great group of faculty for the debut of Magical Mystery Camp. This all-inclusive, once-in-a-lifetime music vacation experience in the heart of the Catskills will be packed with nightly performances, workshops, speakers, song circles, open mics, and a lot more. If you're a performing musician at any level, bring your instrument. If you're a music lover, bring your good spirit. It's an amazing experience for individuals, friends, and couples alike. Registration is open, spots are filling up, so check it out soon. And scholarships are available. Check out MagicalMysteryCamp.com slash HelpingFriendly to learn more. It's party time, it's party time, it's party time, it's party, hit me! Hey everybody, welcome to the Helping Friendly Podcast. This is episode 124. You've got Matt here coming to you in your ear holes or your gym or your car or your workspace, wherever you happen to podcast, uh, I'm there with you. With me right now is Jonathan. Hi, how's it going? Excellent. And uh, also Brad with us tonight. Hi guys. Thus dispelling the rumor that Jonathan and Brad are not allowed to be uh, in the same <laughs> virtual space at the same exact time. Uh, tonight, the empty chair is for RJ, who is uh, in globetrotting somewhere around the U.S. And uh, I'm sure having fun and unable to uh, to join us. Just saving uh, the world. Drinking better exactly. beers than the rest of us. 
Uh, I hope not. Uh, we're going to talk right now, as everybody in Fishland has been for the past few weeks, about uh, fall 1997. And um, this is uh, – it's it's an interesting topic because we, we tried to come up with a, a couple of different ways to tackle it uniquely. And we came up with this brilliant idea that like, hey, let's listen to every single show in real time as it happened and we'll have daily commentary and um, we abandoned that plan, and it turns out that we're the only ones who are not doing that. Um, <laughs> lots of other great content coming out to you. Um, in fact, uh, uh, Jonathan, who are some of the, the folks that, that uh, we've been checking out doing that daily coverage? Well, our good friends and brothers over at the Beyond the Pond podcast are doing some stuff on their uh, Twitter account. I think every day there was a show, so the 20th anniversary or whatever for every show. They are breaking down the show or key jams they're in and uh, pointing out other non-fish music that might relate to it and things like that, which is pretty cool and it's been very interesting to read. And then uh, there's also been some stuff on Jambase and some essays and whatnot showing up out there on the internet. And then it seems like everybody and his brother just has memories of this tour, um, except me. So um, they're all... <laughs> writing and talking about it at length and i'm just listening to fall 98 or something you just don't have any memories of this i was home with a small baby oh that's why yeah mm, it all comes out it all comes out <laughs> <laughs> So, um, yeah, I mean, we talked about, uh, you know, doing the, the daily coverage or trying to cover this uniquely. And I think we decided because, um, you know, we've done some crazy stuff recently, got a lot of really good feedback on the two-parter with Wally Waxbanks uh, and, and with uh, the holiday run coming up. Um, let's just go old school, uh, standard HF pod, and let's look at um, a show. Let's talk about some some music. Let's get laser focused on um, one specific night. In this case, we're actually going to talk about a two-night stand. Uh, Wait a such second. Great- I want to dispel something here. There was definitely an element of, that sounds like a lot of work. Uh, <laughs> and so let's be yeah. honest and yeah. uh, recognize that a lot of work for what it is. Um, but we did come up with a pretty good idea that I just interrupted you telling everybody about. So, Yeah, a lot, a lot of work and uh, a lot of work for... Four dudes with uh, day jobs and families and whatnot. Exactly. And so, many people, many um, humans running around. Yeah. And, and and we'll throw in a plug trying to plan our uh, our live event coming up over the MSG run. Um, hopefully everybody out there already knows about it. Uh, but that's going to be on the 29th at American Beauty pre-show. Um, hit us up on the internets if you need more information. There's a Facebook invite probably. I don't Facebook. It's so, out there. Uh, maybe... It's out there. Go find it. So the, uh, it'll, it'll, it'll be our. It'll tell you where to go. It'll be our second time at uh, American Beauty. We did this during, um, I think it was the 29th of July, wasn't it? Um, that we did our, our first little live event. And so on the 29th of December, five months later to the day, we'll have another one. We're going to try to improve uh, on our first one. And we even have Polyvamp and some other stuff going on. Hopefully we'll have a, a couple fun, cool guests like we did last time. Um, pretty excited about it, and obviously pretty excited about another MSG run. Yeah, absolutely. We took a cue from uh, back in the seventies when they used to have stand-up comedians open for rock bands, and uh, you're going to have to sit through us if you want to hear the amazing funk stylings of of Polyvamp. So uh, come on out for that. 
Uh, please do not throw anything at us. <laughs> well, at RJ is fine. But Mostly anybody because else. there will be expensive musical <laughs> equipment standing behind us, and if you miss, that would be a that would be a shame. And it's not ours yeah. either, right? Like it's one thing, right. like we're you know Nirvana it or whatever, but like or the Who it, but like it's not even ours. <laughs> All right, so let's let's talk about Fall ninety seven here. Um, so what I was saying before, you know, we we wanted to focus on one um, kind of uh, show or, or set of shows. I, I propose talking about um, this two night run, which I feel is it's one of those great examples of um, if, you know, the, obviously the people that were there, uh, these shows are probably near and dear to their heart. Um, if you've heard the tapes or if you've done any kind of deep exploration of fall 97, um, these shows are probably, you know, well known to you. Um, and, and especially some of the highlights that we're going to play. But a lot of times when the conversation about Fall 97 comes up in general, these are not two of the shows that people bring up immediately. You know, a lot of people go to Dayton or to Denver or even the the Albany shows. And you have a a two-night run uh, following the – coming off the the three nights at Worcester, which was – to kind of put it in context because we're, you know, right at the same time of year. You're talking Thanksgiving weekend – a lot of people probably, you know, taking that long weekend and, and traveling to go see those shows. Within that three-night run, uh, you have, you know, an hour-long take on uh, Runaway Jam, uh, which is obviously sort of a marquee jam. The following weekend, you have them going to uh, to, to Van Andel uh, and playing that amazing Tweezer Bella. And then you have them um, right after them, right after that uh I keep saying Van Andel. It's Auburn Hills. Yeah, we were just going to let you go with the that. Auburn so Hills. You could catch I'm, all the heat on Twitter. I was thinking of the Haley's comments. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, Auburn Hills. So Auburn Hills on the sixth, and then of course Dayton on the seventh, uh, which get a ton of attention. But nestled in between those two weekends, uh, you have a two night run, a Tuesday and Wednesday night at the Spectrum in Philadelphia, uh, RIP Spectrum, and of course that's. Um, no what's that no never heard of it oh man oh man actually i don't i guess it was the i guess it was the core state spectrum at this point because the the uh the center across the parking lot which has changed names like 10 times since then was but like core like delaware was the first state and philly's close to delaware is that why like because it's a core state (laughs) some corporate corporate thing that none of us really recognize corporate huh it was a spectrum. It had been a spectrum forever. The dead played yeah. there a bunch of times. Trey saw his first show there. Jethro Tull, yada yada. Yes, yeah, flyers, right? Which, by the way, I triangulated that. I believe that my dad was at that Jethro Tull show. That was your Trey's dad is concert. super cool. Just to just to throw something <laughs> heady out there and give myself some cred. Uh, but um, these, you know, being the uh, the 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 Philly Homer that I am having grown up there. Um, when I was getting into fish, I kind of, one of the first things I did was I went through and I listened to all the shows that they had played at the spectrum. And these were two shows that really, really stuck out for me, especially when listening to either, you know, that run of shows or, um, thinking about the, the 97 shows, I tackled these first. So I've, you know, long been a a huge fan of these shows. Um, even though I wasn't there, uh, you know, looking at the entire tour, I think that, 
Uh, really, in my opinion, I think that there's some of the finest playing in the entire tour over those two nights. Um, and it, you know, once again, I think we've seen over Twitter, especially the last couple of days, there's been a lot of chatter about it from people that are going day by day or, or were at those shows and have fond memories of them. Um, but once again, not, not two of the shows that usually just kind of get mm-hmm. talked about casually, uh, when people start to talk about fall 97. Um, so first off, were either of you guys there or, uh, do you have any memories of, of kind of listening to this show or either of these shows over the years? I wasn't there. I was, um, 12, five, 12, six, RJ was at 12, seven, 12, nine. Um, so this was right around the time, 97, 98 was when I saw the most shows uh, for my own book. Um, but I wasn't at these and, you know, from Ohio, this was kind of, uh, Philly was a trek, a good eight hour drive. So, uh, it just was too much. Um, but at the same time, this is the peak of, you know, maybe 96 to, uh, the peak of waiting for a tape in the mail, um, because you'd seen the set list on gay deals, which by the way, I just learned how to pronounce his name via the under the scales cast, <laughs> uh, that, that Tom, Tom had him on. Um, and, uh, you know, you knew the set list, uh, but you didn't, you didn't hear it and you waited for the tape, but this was kind of along those lines. And these are the shows that even afterward, I remember this, this run of shows, you know, this December, late November, 97, uh, we found ourselves listening to in the summer of 98, 99, even anytime really just, you know, putting them on and, and, and really grooving to them. Some new material that we loved story of the ghost we loved. Um, you know, I, it's, I mean, it's fondness, it's nostalgia, but also going back, if you're not thinking about it and, and we're prepping for this podcast and I just throw it on, I'm going to listen to it like, Oh yeah. Like now I remember why, all this stuff is so glowing. Also mention um, a friend of the podcast, Stephen Grip. Also, these were, I think he said these were his first shows, maybe, uh, but he, he tweeted about him and just how they kind of turned him on his head. Um, uh, just both nights, incredible throughout, not just strictly 97 funk, um, kind of across across the board, uh, we'll, we'll get into it more later after we listen, but, um, you know, these two shows have a lot Tuesday, Wednesday in between two great weekends. Um, I think this is a perfect example, uh, uh, for us to highlight. Yeah. So I wasn't there, but, um, as I mentioned earlier, but, and I was definitely playing the waiting game for the tapes, just as Brad mentioned, you know, I had a uh, corporate job, great internet connection. I was seeing the set lists right away. And then waiting and waiting and waiting for uh, tapes. I had friends who were touring. I had taper friends who were touring. So I got tapes pretty quickly back then. But um, I wasn't, and still to this day, not as enraptured with the sound of the Fall 97 shows as many of my fellow Fish fans are. Um, However, some of the things we hear in these shows uh, really do press my buttons. So um, uh, we can talk more about that after we hear what is in store for the listeners. Um, so that, 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 that's my intro comments though. 
Excellent. So, um, yeah, what we have for you tonight uh, is um, two segments of music, one from each show, uh, basically highlighting the beginning of the second set each night. Uh, We've got a lot of music here. It was very, very tough to try to make any cuts. So uh, we said, fuck it, let's just go ahead and play. It's an eight-hour podcast, everybody. It's an eight-hour podcast. You're going to need to digest this in multiple parts, um, but but that's okay. Now, so um, let's take two uh, iPhones with you. (laughs) (laughs) Just to um, to to round out the context, we talked a little bit about the uh, within the show. Um, For anybody that isn't familiar with the the spectrum, um, that's where the uh, that's where the Sixers and Flyers of Philadelphia played uh, from uh, 1967 until uh, 1996, uh, when the uh, now named Wells Fargo Center, then the the Core State Center, opened just across the parking lot on the grounds where JFK Stadium uh, stood, having been closed down by the by uh, the Grateful Dead seven years before. Um, this was uh, it's you know anybody from Philly, this is this is a very kind of sacred place there was a lot of great things that happened there i mean i grew up going to sixers games and flyers games and wwf matches and you know harlem globetrotters and uh saw my first fish show there and and uh saw the weirdest fish show that i ever saw there 11 29 2003 so a lot of cool memories um it's one of those uh, i don't know about you but guys but i always loved the older style arenas that were smaller, dingier, no frills. Uh, you don't have many of them left. Um, you know, MSG and Nassau Coliseum have been renovated, so they don't have that appeal anymore. Um, Hampton Coliseum is probably one of the last ones standing. Um, and it, it was amazing to see, uh, to give you the the perspective of how they build these newer arenas and why the old places felt so energetic and and why you were always on right on top of the the ice or right or right on top of the band. If you ever saw a picture, which you can find easily on the internet, of when the Spectrum and the uh, now Wells Fargo Center were standing side by side, the the new place only holds about two thousand more people than the Spectrum held, but the building is like twice as big. Right. Um, because of they put in all these suites and the, gave everybody more leg room and have these big cushy seats and everything like that, instead of just tucking everybody in and sticking you right on on, on top of the action. Plus, they partition off all the sections. Anybody who right. you know knows MSG from what it was to what it is now, you know, you know, you can't just hop around, you can't just enter and then swing around through the loop. Whereas Spectrum, you could well, you go in. Oh, well, I really want to sit over there and just go. Uh, and that was easy. I, I love that room. I'm not a Philly person, but I saw, I saw some fish shows there and I saw, saw them broken chain there in uh, 95. So it's special place. And, uh, I wasn't, wasn't there in 97, but, uh, you know, it, it does come through. You can tell people are, uh, raging on the audience tapes. All right. So should we get to it? Please. Let's, uh, let's listen to some music. This is, uh, This is the beginning of set two uh, from the first night, December 2nd, 1997. What is a city without its music? The legacy of the New York Philharmonic is incredible. Nearly two centuries of history. That's a lot of music and a lot of stories. I was sitting on stage for the very first time thinking, I can't quite believe this is happening. Join me, Jamie Bernstein, as we explore the history of the New York Philharmonic. It's the NY Phil story made in New York, a podcast about a city, its people, and their orchestra. Listen wherever you get podcasts. 
All right, so that was the 12297 Core State Spectrum Philadelphia PEA Set 2 Mike's Song into Simple, into Dog-Faced Boy, into Yamar, into Weekapaw Groove. And um, that was, well, it's a hell of a show, and it bears noting that it opened, the first set opens with Buried Alive, so you knew it was going to be good. And, um, and, yeah. So, uh, what do you guys think? Who wants to go? There's a few things that I noticed the first time through. I listened a couple of times, but first time through, I think this mics has a little bit of what I'd call the prog ghost effect in it. Um, Trey was, had that tone or that effect or whatever, uh, kind of rage in there. Pretty long mics. Um, one of the best, I think that there there's been played. Uh, there was a tweet. Uh, probably around the, the second of this year um, that says this is like the best hour of fish that, that this, the, the tweeter um, could name. Yeah. it It's okay. I can see that. You know, I, I don't know if I agree with it, but that's a pretty good opinion. Um, Mike's <laughs> into simple is, is standard. And uh, again, the mics is, is amazing. The dog face boy, I think also sticks out uh, totally different tempo than a normal one. That long intro, the clapping uh, by the audience, um, uh, just the band was excited to play the cool down, which, uh, you know, I don't know if they are normally or not, but like, wow, energy in this cool down, you know, the room is, is hot and, and bumping. Uh, the Yamar uh, fun lyrics, you know, fun, fun toying with Mike and, um, and, and Trey. And uh, I think Mike, um, uh, you know, I don't know how to say it, but I'll mention RJ. He's, he's not here obviously, but, um, this was, we were freshmen at, at Ohio state. We were waiting for the tapes to come to our dorm room. We had a little three, three bed or three person dorm. So it was a little bigger than the normal dorm room in steep hall. It was a corner. We had two windows, you know, instead of one, uh, and we had a couch like the other, other, Fancy. you know, the, yeah, the two, the two person dorm room, you couldn't fit a couch in. So we, we were lucky enough to bring like a love seat, like a two, a two cushion couch. And, um, uh, we had the, the Nintendo 64 hooked up all four controllers rocking and we were affectionately, affectionately named the, the fish pit on the fourth floor of Steve. And we would wait for the tape to come. It would come. We'd invite as many people as we could find over. We'd play, you know, golden eye on the Nintendo 64 and just play this shit as loud as we could. And we would always point out or highlight or talk about Mike's sound. And I think the Yamar and the Weekapaw really highlight Mike. He, he's a little different uh, than he was before this. And, uh, you know, I don't know if it's, if it's a new sound or confidence or just, you know, the funk, the cow funk that they're doing. But um, he highlights it. He, he brings out a lot to me uh, in, in, these, in these tunes. Um, I don't know. It's it, I love it. Obviously, yeah. This is um, it's it's a great segment from start to finish. You have the elements of a of a traditional Mike's groove uh, with the you know um, Mike's the the simple in in place of uh, of hydrogen, uh, but then we get into Dogface Boy and Yamar in there just to to make things weird. One of the things that um, 
I like about this Mike song is that, you know, there's so much talk, uh, particularly in the last couple of years, about the second jam and Mike's. Um, and I think this is a great example of the way that I feel about that, which is that I don't care if there's one jam, if there's two jams, if they pl- if they play that little yeah. ending in the middle, um, it's just about the the creativity uh, and and what they're playing in the moment. And because this play this one doesn't have a second jam, as right. you can find never they never right. play the ascent the ascending lick that um, marks the kind of end of Mike's song, which then maybe leads into the the second jam. But they do get into some second jam territory because they go to F. Uh, at a certain point without ha- ever playing that that lick. Um, and that's about 20 minutes into the jam after um, a lot of just, you know, um, driving uh, guitar rock from, mm-hmm. from Trey. Um, and so that little drop into F uh, opens up the door to, to head into simple. So it's funny. Um, let me, let me, get let me interrupt the, you. Sorry, Matt. But the, the, what people are always looking for now, right? They're still looking forward in this jam. It's just that this jam was twenty minutes long. You know what I mean? Like, like they yeah. they, they didn't they didn't do the ascend and then the, and then the F, uh, like like people want. Well, whatever they they did the F, but it was twenty minutes long as opposed to now when it's maybe eight and people are like, oh, why don't you do the second jam? Like it's pretty funny. That's just this is just, right. whatever. As long so as it's, they jam, it's wonderful. Sorry, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just give me the jam, bro. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, and and you know or. You know, play sample in a jar or lawn boy and jam that. You know, <laughs> right. whatever. Do do whatever yeah. it takes to 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 launch uh, the, the the rocket <laughs> ship. Um, to, the simple that we get into here. Uh, I love simple in '97 um, because they managed to reach these very very delicate places, and um, some some of Trey's playing is very very um, soulful. I almost find it, you know, the, the great went is another version that, um, I feel like his, his playing is really fantastic. This is a, an awesome simple as well. And then we get in very quickly into some ambience, um, after that. Um, and what I, what I labeled here is staccato chaos, uh, that, you know, really gets into, um, we've talked about the landing, uh, before, you know, we've used the, uh, the example of like the dark star El Paso or something like that, that the dead would do. Um, here we get into Dogface Boy as this sort of creepy, delicate landing within the middle of the 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 chaos of this jam. The cool thing that I like about this Dogface Boy is the way that, as opposed to something like the Orlando '95 version, where they keep it very spooky and almost like they would with Catapult, just kind of sing the lyrics on top of it. They really actually get into the up tempo groove that's even um, faster than it is on the Hoist version. Um, to the point where if you know that it's coming and you hear Fishman start to play this little groove, you almost feel like they're going to try to do Dogface Boy, but it's not going to work. Like it's going to be too fast. It's going to fall apart, but they keep it together, uh, which is, is so, so beautiful, right? Um, and then that gets you the perfect groove, it turns out to be, uh, to, to get you into to Yamar. Um, and so just a wonderful, wonderful segue again after that. Uh, and then the surprise of the entire segment is just the, what happens in after Yamar. I mean, what did you guys think about that um, that post Yamar jam? It's fucking great, man! We, you know, we listened to it today while we were making dinner, and um, you know, it, it kind of gets you moving. And this whole thing is just it, it's it's out there. So the 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 funk jamming in mics is not my favorite kind of jamming that they do, 
but there's so much more to it than just that, that um, I can't complain about it because, you know, they move on and they get into these great spaces. And I'm going to back up because I'm going to talk about that, that beautiful piece of simple. Um, I held a grudge against simple for years and years because it supplanted I am hydrogen. Um, and however, this one is one of the examples of where it's worth it. You know, it does, they just really do something beautiful with it. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I love that the post Yamar jam. And by the time they get to weak bog, you're just like, yes, yes, it's time. Yeah, there's some incredible playing from Fishman in that entire segment. Um, the way that he gets them from the Yamar groove into the Weekapog groove with Trey playing cross-eyed and painless teases over that entire segment. Um, and it, I, another note that I had here is, is it's almost like um, like a Cars, Trucks, Bucks, Cars, Trucks, Buses style groove that gets them uh, links from from Yamar back into Weekapog. And then Weekapog is slow and thick. It's almost like that summer 97 style of funk that has so much space between every single note. Um, and, and just it reminded me a lot of the version of Cavern from the Island Tour, where they just they played that funky version, slowed down version of Cavern. Um, but then at the end, you have this sort of, you know, crazy turn where I don't know if Trey gave a signal signal to Fishman or something like that, but all of a sudden fish just speeds up and it just like rockets into like a 93 or 94 version of Weekapog uh, that just is soaring and amazing and, and wraps up what I think is about 65 minutes of music just with a, a beautiful bow on top. I was going to say that what, what I, what I failed to mention in my mental notes is page. And I think he, makes Weekapov really great. Um I you know, Trey's maybe has a loop going in that Weekapov with like the the funk wah pedal little riff that he kind of plays over, but then Paige kind of takes over. And uh he doesn't get enough credit, I don't think, during these times. You know, we all picture Paige with like his knees kind of bent, but you know, facing opposite directions and, and the butt of the guitar like in his crotch. You know what I mean? And he and he's like He's he's riffing on the neck almost uh, with the wah pedal. Um, he gets the tray face, which is kind of how I picture him in, in a lot of '97. Um, but but Page is really honing his skills on the clav and and all those different things uh, that he's got, uh, and and it really comes out in this week upon. I thought um, Page is really spreading himself out through all for, through all these jams. We'll hear it in the next segment too. In fact, I that was he's in my mental notes for that one is uh, is that you know he's really um, you know while you have the rhythm section laying down and holding something down, Trey doing his Trey thing, and sometimes Trey you know lays out and gets kind of loose, like you talk about in the slow part of the the weak pog, Matt and. Uh, but Paige is kind of rides right through it, and it's such brilliant color throughout. Um, takes all four of them. And, and, and by the way, I mean, we picked out this segment from a show that the the first set goes Buried Alive, Disease, Makasupa, Chalk Dust, Ghost, Divided Sky, Dirt, Taste, Star Spangled Banner. Um, and, and there are some certainly highlights in that that show not the best night fall 97 ghost or anything no. like that um but i mean jesus talk about that for the, a first set That's the disease crazy. is unfinished too uh let's let's point that out it's not a, they're like they're they're ready and they're going places 
Um, and it's right. pretty dirt. I like dirt into taste. Yeah. And Ginseng Sullivan in the encore. So um, amazing first night at the Spectrum. And um, let's, uh, just for, for the sake of brevity and getting back to the music, because we do have so much uh, to listen to, um, let's shift our focus to the next night, night to uh, de- uh, December 3rd, 1997, also at the Spectrum. And we're going to drop in again, once again, on the, uh, the start of the second set uh, for a nice long piece of music there.
All right, so that was the beginning of the second set of uh, December 3rd, 97. We heard Bowie into Possum into a jam officially uh, into Prince Caspian. Uh, it was a Wednesday show, as I mentioned, uh, following the 12-2 Tuesday show. Same arena, same city, uh, same tour. <laughs> so uh, this Bowie gets a lot of credit, and I think it deserves it. Um, what do you think, Matt? Yeah, there's um there's a different kind of looseness about this show, I think. Um I, th- I the the first night was almost like a little bit um the Mike song in particular, it was it was almost you could place a lot of that that jam into other years. I think that you see in this night just an incredible looseness, um patience in Bowie uh that is uh you know, a signature character of full 97, um, the funk jam that comes out eventually, uh, out, out of possum. Um, the, the thing about Bowie, this, as I was listening to it again, the other day, I almost felt like this was like the 97 version of what the Providence Bowie would be like, where they just, it's really, really long, but it doesn't have all the different sections that like, like they would have played in 94. Um, this one is just, just takes its time. Uh, and it kind of very, very subtly drifts back and forth between major and minor key. Um, and then in fact, about 20 minutes into this very, very long Bowie, which I I think it's about 27 minutes or something like that. They get into an upbeat groove that reminded me of some uh, 3.0 jams. Um, something that maybe you would have heard in light, uh, and the, 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 the version that came to mind when I listened to this was the, the Burgettstown, uh, 2012 version of light that resulted in that song. You never know, uh, that they only played once, um, just very, very like major key up, um, happy, uh, bouncy kind of thing, um, that, that wasn't necessarily, um, you know, uh, something that you always would have heard inside of a Bowie. Um, but then of course, after that, they, they shift and they, they go into possum. Um, but I know Jonathan, you're a, you're a Bowie connoisseur. What did you think about this one? Uh, you know, it's okay. Um, (laughs) no, I'm kidding. Um, I, I find interesting the analogy to the Providence Bowie. Um, I don't think it's crazy. This one's, uh, like 26 minutes. So it's just, it's not quite as long. It's got a big, weird intro, which you also find on the Providence Bowie, uh, which has the digital delay loop jam, but the, uh, take me up to the ball game and baby elephant walk and a lot of other little hints are throughout. There's a Simpson signal in there, of course. And, um, at one point I'd swear fish, you know, he, pulls off the hi-hat and does a little like like he's going to start hood but of course they're not going to start hood they play this big big bowie um i also had a, a, a thoughts about that that major key jam i love it when that comes in there um it's um it kind of lifts you up out of the weird for a little bit but yeah yeah it it doesn't quite get into as many chunks and spaces as a 94 a uh, big 94 Bowie would have done, but I really like the progression. I like the way it flows and I like where it goes. And then, and then it takes in, takes us into possum. I, I like um, that you guys have both mentioned 94, even Stephen grip with a, you know, good friend of the podcast added us uh, that, you know, they went from 97 to 94 as well in this, in this Bowie. I, I would describe this Bowie as church. This is the reason I go to fish. 
this is, you know, the weird, the, the perplexing, the darkness. And then, uh, what you guys are talking about that major when you can, excuse me, when you can raise your palms to the sky or whatever. Um, even that, that gif of, of, of the, the dude with the beard at MSG, the super beard, you know what I'm talking about? A little gray in there. Um, he was on, he was on one of the, uh, the, the webcasts that it kind of, he, you know, he's just face to the sky, um, palms to the sky. That's, this is, this is kind of what I look for, uh, in a Bowie. And, um, yeah, yeah. I just, you can't go wrong with, with it. I don't think it has, it has a little bit of everything for me, the 97 funk, the, a little bit of 94 in there. Um, some nice, some nice riffs from Trey and, and it just, yes, please. You know, that's it. <laughs> so on paper, if you showed somebody, uh, you've got a, a long David Bowie that segues without hitting the Bowie peak into possum. My feeling is that nine out of 10 fish nerds would be absolutely pissed off about that and would say that it ruined the jam and it was a rip cord and how dare Trey do that. But when you listen to this, it's so amazing. I mean, it's one of my favorite segues I think that they've ever done because um, it just happens so naturally. I mean, the way that Trey, you know, coming out of that bouncy light jam that we talked about, they, they actually get back to a minor place where it sounds like they are just about to play the ending. And right when Trey would build it up and play that last lick, uh, he, he just starts playing possum. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. The band, of course, you know, being so tight as, as they were at this point turns on a dime and goes with them. Um, and I think that you then hear the, by virtue of going through the buildup at the beginning of possum, um, just exuberance in the room, uh, from those odd tapes from the, the, the crowd inside the spectrum. And that's, that's when, the Philadelphia Spectrum showed you uh, what it was all about when you got one of those crowds cheering like it was a playoff hockey game. You know, I, the pot, listen, I'll, I'll never complain about a possum. I don't care. And, you know, four minute, 10 minute possum, whatever. But for some reason, there, you know, this, especially 97, the Dayton jam is listed as a jam. This possum is listed as a, or the jam after it is listed as a jam. Like, come on, man! No, it's, it's just not. It's a tube just jam, jamming, right? That, it's without the tube. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Oh man! Well, and no, I think this. This I think it's listed correctly because um, they, you know, they did finish right. possum proper and start it back up, uh, just like they did, a, you know, a handful of other times right. uh, throughout the fall, including out of, out of tube. So I think, I think that's, that's correct. Whatever. But I'm, so they're all, they're all called a jam. Like no. it has to have different there's names a, there's, to them. There's a clear but, delineation between the possum and the jamming, uh, which as I say, is, is really just a tube jam, at least at the beginning. And, uh, listen, I'm just here to complain. <laughs> so the other thing that I want to say is, um, so the, 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 you know, tremendously missed, uh, Harris Whittles, he, he, he was always one a proponent for longer tubes. And I think the first set 2001 is, is, is another thing that we should propose the band do more. And that's a 10 minute 2001. You can't play 2001 unless it's 10 minutes long. I don't want a five minute 2001 and the gumbo into the 2001 into the YEM and the first set, I think highlights that argument. Oh yeah. And once again, like we said for the first night, I mean, you know, we picked this, uh, this hour long segment from the the second set, which continues 
through Caspian to Frankenstein and Hood um, out of a show that, you know, set one here, Punch into My Soul, an amazing version of Drowned, uh, The Old Home Place, uh, Gumbo 2001, Yem. I mean, that's, you know, we could have taken that that ending part of the first set, like you just said, Gumbo 2001, Yem, and, and featured that just as easily as we did this. Um, and, let, and let's talk a little more about that Old Home Place, right? I mean, come on. <laughs> Sorry, guys. It has a little bit of different tempo, like the uh, the twelve two, um, uh, Dogface Boy did. I think it had a little bit of a different tempo. It was a little, um, I don't know. To me, it was a little different than an average one. I don't know if it was slower, or faster, a little bit of giddy up in just, the set. Yeah. So the other thing, I, I think, uh, to Jonathan's buried alive, um, I would propose. My punch you in the eye. I like a first set opener like that. A lot of energy. Uh, if Trey, Trey, I don't know if he he rarely nails it um, because it's always got a lot of energy. But when it's on and it hits, uh, the the place will blow up. Even if it's a first, if it's an opener. So you guys know that I don't usually like to do the whole this versus that thing. But um, what do you guys think? Uh, so without without you know sort of trying to to say what's better or what's best or anything like that. Where do you think this stands within Fall 97? What do you think its role is within the tour? Both nights? Both nights. Both nights. It's taken as a um taken as a package, put it within the Fall 97. You would call these the blah shows. What would you call them? These shows are a little more well-rounded to my tastes than a lot of the other big hits from Fall 97. Um, so without getting into disparaging some of the other shows, uh, because that would be wrong and nobody wants to hear that. It's a shame when somebody goes on the HF pod and totally shits on your favorite jams. <laughs> um, so uh, I will say that I really, I like these shows and um, I like them more than some of the other ones. From the, from Fall 97. Yes. Not from from not for from this summer, particular tour, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I to me, maybe it doesn't have the the you know coming right out of the gate amazingness of of Denver. Uh, I guess maybe maybe what I would say is that it doesn't. There's no sort of like marquee descriptor about these shows, right? Like Denver is you know to a lot of people the best show, or you could call it the one with the crazy killer first set. Uh, you know, Auburn Hills is the one with the Tweezabella. Dayton's the one with the killer first set and the killer tube jam, uh, and the one where they brought back Boogie on. You know, Worcester's that got the the hour long jam. Um, there's there's lots of these different things. These are just two kick ass, solid, reliable fish shows uh, that you can. To me, I can always put them on. I can always find enjoyment from them. Um, there's there's not much of a lull in either show, um, not much downtime. Uh, and, and, you know, I guess the best descriptor you could, you could give is maybe, you know, Brad, like you were saying that first night that, um, you know, people were calling that, that, uh, beginning of that second set, maybe the best part of the the tour. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I, I think it's just, uh, I think they're two just good, solid workhorses of fish shows. So how have we gotten this far and nobody's mentioned Hampton? Never heard of it. Did, did those shows not happen on this tour? 
<laughs> yeah, no, I mean, also amazing shows, you know, and once again, the, something that always gets brought up as some of the, the killer marquee shows. Except uh, in the first I mean, two hours of this geez. podcast. Uh, no. <laughs> well, hey, we're, we're focusing on something else. Uh, hey, listen, when, man. We're yeah. listen, talking man. about, you know, <laughs> where these shows fall relative uh, to the rest of the tour. Um, I, I'm a little surprised you guys gloss over it. I gloss over it because... Um, I, it's not I, your jam. I, it's not my jam. Um, yeah. Uh, but I remember a bunch of my friends coming back from those shows going, dude, ah, it's so great. And then they <laughs> they went to these uh, Philly shows uh, because we I, we lived in, you know, outside of D.C., so we're right in the middle. And um, so the Hampton shows were the reason that RJ and I went to the 98 show. The 97 shows were the reason we went to the I'm 98 sorry. shows. And that, and that was, a well, that was a hike for us. You know what I mean? But. Um, so yeah, they're, they're, we, you can't, you can't not bring those up. Wonderful, wonderful stuff. I, I named my child after the marquee jam of the second night of the Hampton shows. So I, I dig them. No, I, um, awesome black eyed Katie. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> yeah, something like that. No, I, um, uh, tweezer, her name is tweezer. Um, no, but I, uh, I actually, that's a really good point. I think that if there's, if these shows have one sort of maybe um, analogous pairing on the tour, those Hampton shows probably are it. Uh, just really, really solid from start to finish. Um, the only thing, reason I would say that maybe they fall into that category of having a very easy descriptor is just because of the Haley's Jam uh, from the, the 22nd, that it's easy, easy to single that the show out for that. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a great point, um, that, you know, once again, you have a pair of shows that are just really, really solid from start to finish. Yeah. So, um, overall, I mean, I, I, I think it's relatively universally agreed that all 1997 kicked ass. Jonathan maybe is a little wishy-washy about it, but that's okay. We love him anyway. Oh no, it, it's it's good fish music. It's just not my favorite fish music. That's yeah. okay. Um it is there's no question that it's good fucking fish music. And there, I got your uh, explicit mark for the episode. <laughs> um It's uh yeah, it's outstanding stuff. So I I know I understand that why everybody loves it. Brad, uh, any parting thoughts on 97 or these shows? No. <laughs> um that's, that's all I said. You know, I think I've 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 said I've I've said enough. <laughs> Jonathan, else anything else you wanted to add? Uh, no, I think we we really have kind of covered it. If we're just going to stick to these shows, and um, I know there's a few left in the tour, and probably everybody will be listening to those as they uh, come up on the anniversaries. Um, and well, just great stuff ahead. And I hope everybody. I want to jump ahead to asking everybody to. Um, find us at in new york city on the 29th at american beauty i'm really excited to see everybody there um it's my only show of the run also so be nice to me and uh I'll leave it with you matt hey all right yeah um so we've got a couple of great episodes coming up in the next few weeks leading up to the holiday uh, uh msg shows Hope to see you at American Beauty on the 29th. If you need any info about that, search for the Helping Friendly Podcast on Facebook uh, where we have the invite or hit us up on Twitter at HFPod. You can also email us, uh, helpingfriendlypodcast at gmail.com. 
Um, if you haven't uh, and you've you gotten into anything for the holidays yet and you, you're trying to scratch your head and think about what you can get us, uh, why don't you go to iTunes and, get, and give us a review? That's the, the maybe five stars. That's five, five star review on iTunes. Uh, tell your friends. That's that's another thing you can get us. Um, I think we've all been pretty pretty good this year, so you know maybe we deserve it. <laughs> you could also so we. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, Jonathan. I mentioned Harris Widows, but um, I think this week was the first time that we've ranked above Analyze Fish, um, and that was pretty exciting. So more rankings, more listens, um, and it makes rj happy that's all we really care about yeah <laughs> rj likes the numbers um you could also <laughs> look for us on uh patreon and if you really like the show and you want to hear more of it um you know we do special episodes just for that and uh you can chip in whatever you feel is appropriate so check it out yeah and we've given people a couple of previews recently um give us some feedback on that uh if you if you like checking that out um that's the the kind of thing similar to what we did here with this episode um, where it's a little bit more relaxed and we can kind of just focus on uh, a, a single month or even a single show just to uh, to, to do a deep dive. Uh, but we'll be back with some of the crazy exploration and, and awesome guests uh, within uh, within the next few weeks. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, I'm not allowed to say keep on rocking, am I? That's no, no, that's saying. not your thing. Dude, so just we will, le- we will allow a space here for... Uh, the empty seat in which RJ sits to say Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the One Hit Thunder or nothing more than a one hit blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods.